Welcome to Unapologetically Us, the podcast where immigrants and their children celebrate our unique heritage, consider what it means to live in between cultures, and contemplate what it means to be American. I am your host, Dr. B. Hey, this is Tayo here. I just wanted to take time to thank you all for your support of this podcast. When I first started it, I just wanted to be able to capture all of the nuances of what it means to live in that in-between space. And I've enjoyed my conversations with really most of my friends and people I just met. And I hope you have been enjoying them too. After the last episode on mental health, Dr. Z and Dr. B, we were just talking, but then Bono had to leave. And so Dr. Z and I continued to talk and she shared some things that I thought really speaks to the heart of the conversation that we had on mental health with regards to boundaries and finding that line between who we are as individuals and who we are as a collective. And I couldn't pass it up. So I'm just sharing a snippet of our conversation with you. Thank you again so much for your support. And here is a bit of the conversation I had with Dr. Zainab Okola. So in this American culture, it's like we celebrate individuality, being us. But as we talked about earlier, we come from collectivistic cultures. And sometimes being us might not go well <laughs> with right. what the collective community says. So how do we sort of create boundaries? And it doesn't seem like, at least to me, that boundaries is a concept that is welcomed within yeah. at least, <laughs> okay, like welcomed among Nigerians, at least in my experience. It's like boundaries yeah. are offensive and yet we're taught here that we need boundaries. So how, how do you make sense of all those tensions there? Well, you know, what's funny about life is that sometimes it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so we, coming from, so any collectivist culture, person can tell you that boundaries is a challenge. And our culture happens to be one of those. We are tribal. We think easily, especially when it comes to, to our families. And so boundaries sounds like a shutting out of putting aside of the collective thought, when in reality, it's, it's a way to be a healthy part of the group. And I think if we reframe it that way within our minds as the individual trying to enact boundaries, that will give us more permission to do so. I'm in the process of still, of still learning. <laughs> so I by no means would profess myself to be an expert. But what boundaries allow you to do is it, it definitely allows you to take ownership and decide over your own decisions and to give yourself permission to enact your own gut feelings and thoughts. I always like to say when it comes to boundaries, it's teaching yourself how to follow and trust your own GPS. The GPS that has been influenced by our great culture, your family, your values. Mm -hmm. But if you don't ever get an opportunity to put that into practice mm -hmm. or you never turn that on for yourself, then you might find yourself later on in life really, really challenged really, really hard pressed to make otherwise very simple decisions. And boundaries also require some personal discipline. Mm -hmm. So a boundary for me is like, maybe after a certain time I don't eat, or maybe after a certain time I don't answer the phone, 
because I, I, I need to like wind down. Right. Or maybe if there's like a financial need somewhere, I've given myself a budget as to how much I can actually invest. Mm-hmm. I myself can't go into ruin trying to help. Those are like, to other people, sound like basic boundaries, but to our culture, how you, you know. No, in fact, when you said shut your phone off, I heard my father right away, eh? I've been trying to reach you. All day, right. You know, and you're supposed to call back right away. And this sense of, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. I just need right. to shut it's off. Urgency, yeah. It yeah. is, it can feel burdensome because you can try to do what you feel like is good for you and your own well-being at the yeah. expense of offending someone else within the community because that's not how the community works. You do right. what they say. Right. And the they, I think one thing that we've touched on already, the they are those that are like leaders yeah, yeah. that are respected, that are our elders you know, compared to, you know, more individualistic societies where it's about you and your attainment and your wellness and you center yourself around that, not what your elders have to say. This is your generation, not theirs. And for us as first generationers or or second generationers, we have to toe that line Mm -hmm. of that balance of I respect your wisdom but I'm still held responsible for my own decision-making. Mm-hmm. And there is information that I have access to that you may not have access to. And I have to consider those things as well. Right, right. And I'm remembering you had shared the, the proverb um, among your tribal group, which is Igbo, about the elders. Yeah. What is it? The elders sit down. Oh, yes, this is my one of my grandmother's favorite saying, is that elders can see sitting down what you cannot see standing up meaning their purview, their insight, in their relaxed state, without stretching, without trying. They cover a wider span than you, standing up, trying to reach and see, can actually see and perceive. And I do believe that that's what wisdom looks like in a lot of ways. But if we lean on that too heavily, then we discount our ability, our insights, our proclivities, the detriment of our decision-making. And we have to, at some point, learn to both take in wisdom, but then understand that taking in wisdom is not, at a certain age at least, it's not an instruction, it's a suggestion. Well, it's even that. Data. It's additional data to then make a decision. Not to yeah. say that I made a decision because grandma said X. Right. It, it still won't be on grandma's head. It'll be on your yeah. head. So you have to yeah. be willing to use all that beautiful wisdom that I don't take for granted as a data point, not as a deciding factor. I mean, even hearing you say that, I have a physiological reaction to it. Of like, course you do. Because I know that I hear the voices of some elders. That's like, it's not a suggestion. It's truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the things I, I appreciate about what you said earlier was that basically, this is adulthood. Adulthood isn't getting a job and buying that Lamborghini adulthood is being accountable and accountable to yourself. And I think that's one of the challenges that second um, generation individuals might face when you have to sort of say, I'm, I'm choosing to do this for me and not because or for you. Yeah. And like you said, we have to tell that line because I honor my parents I, and I love the culture that venerates the people who came before me, but not at the expense of hurting me. Right. Um, and denying my own experience. That's um, right. 
And then there's something you said earlier too that I wanted to include what Bono was talking about with regard to learning diplomacy. Mm-hmm. Um, because in American culture, at least now, there's this encouragement to speak your mind and be yourself and say what you feel. But that has not worked, at least not for me. And there is a way, uh, there's a, a native wisdom that I've observed within our culture where you don't have to say everything. You don't have to say, listen, grandma, this is my life and I'm going to do what I want. That right. will get you popped. Right. <laughs> and that will cause some, some serious issues. At, look, at 41, get <laughs> at, at 41, you get scared slept. about it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can say, yes, ma. And do what I you want to do anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I think that's also important to kind of learn and be able to navigate that respect for the elders, but also recognizing that this is your life and you are the one responsible for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the responsibility piece is giving yourself permission to make the best decisions, of course, because I'm an anti-conflictor. That's a nice mm-hmm. way of saying conflict avoidance. <laughs> I would love that every decision that I make fully, if not closely, overlapped and aligned with the wisdom from and the insight from my mom, from my elders. And sometimes it does. And we're all happy and we're all in one accord and we're all in flow. And I would like to think that for some of the more important decisions, that it has worked out that way. But we're talking about like the more nuanced day-to-day, how we manage our lives, the ones that we have been given, we've been given autonomy over and responsibility over. There has to be times where you kind of, it's like any other muscle, like you have to train yourself sometimes and not even go collecting validating voices, like mm-hmm. validate your own voice. Like I want to go here and do this. Well, I'm going to go here and do this. That is important to say because in our culture, that's just not, especially as a woman, that's not natural. Yeah. I want to go to Miami right now. I'm calling my mom to figure out, do you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I have friends that if I was to tell that to, they would think I was crazy. But I'm like, why would I leave the country? Why would I leave the state? Why would I, instead of going to my regular Walmart, go to that Walmart? I should call my right. mom. Wow. And just get like feedback on mm-hmm. it. And yeah. some of the boundary setting is kind of pulling the plugs on some of those little behaviors. Yeah. Not yeah. all the time, but just to train yourself and what it, what it looks like to make a decision Mm-hmm. And then affirm yourself in it and find out that, oh my God, I went to the other Walmart and I, <laughs> and I came back home and I was good. Yeah. And then as you do that for yourself, you're also training your elders and the folks around you to like trust you more. Yeah. And have a little bit more peace and a sense of pride. Like, oh mm-hmm. wow, like she, you know, she did yeah. that on her own. And yeah. you'll find roles starting to reverse a little bit. Cause yeah. I think I'm going through that in my family where because I'm seen as you know, slightly responsible. Mm-hmm. There are questions and conversations I'm being pulled into. There's sometimes in my head, I'm like, but I'm still a little girl. I don't know. It's like once you start to get that trust, you get pulled into elder conversations mm-hmm. about yeah. how to impact or decision making. Yeah. And that's good. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think you're right. Um, I think a lot of Talk about social identity. When we think about social identity, essentially, the way we see ourselves has a lot to do with our relationships to others or to our roles. Yeah. And I think older people within the culture is like part of their role and identity is like, once you get older, my job is to tell everybody else what to do. 
(laughs) But I have seen that when they realize they're they're wrong, it's a great experience for them too, because you realize your experience is valuable, but it's not applicable to everything. It's not generalizable. And And, uh, yeah. And so I've seen the roles reverse where now I'm an adult too, especially as a woman, like men, I think they get, they get treated with much more respect more quickly. But as a woman, you can say, come, let's talk together. This is what mm-hmm. I think. And there's, there's a shared connection versus, you know, you're doing what they said you're supposed to do. So yeah. absolutely. That is really good. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share with others and leave a rating and review. You can also follow the Unapologetically Us blog. That's un-apologetically-us.com. Dash dash